Hi, this is Jeff Cobra, and we welcome you to another Disney at Play podcast. Thanks for joining us today. With a big U.S. election in arrears, President-elect Joe Biden appears to be heading not just to the White House, but to the Hall of Presidents at the Magic Kingdom and Walt Disney World. We take a quick look at the history of this attraction, consider the challenges that came as a result when President Trump was added a few years ago, and then consider two possible approaches for moving forward um, differently on this attraction. Already the Washington Post and others have weighed in on what happens next with the Hall of Presidents. For such a sleeper experience when most park attendees actually are going in there to take naps, it's curious how this attraction has become a centerpiece for how we think about the Commander-in-Chief. While this is by no means a partisan piece or intended to be a partisan piece in any form, it's still important that we be honest about what makes sense for this attraction as it moves forward, especially as it heads into Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary. Be sure to refer to our Disney at Play podcast because we have links, videos, uh, photos which um, capture many of the things that we're going to be discussing. I want to re-emphasize before we go in here, I have no intent of being partisan in this conversation. This is not about who should or shouldn't have been made president. It's about the attraction and its significance, Walt Disney's own vision for it, and how it ought to move forward. First of all, let's talk about the heritage, which is older than Walt Disney World. It extends back so many years uh, into Disneyland's own history. And even before it arrived at Disneyland, it came about an original form known as Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, which opened as a pavilion for the state of Illinois in the 1964-1965 World's Fair. Um, it was incredibly popular as an attraction there, although it was very difficult to get out of the gate. It did not open on time with the fair. There were a lot of problems. But when it opened, it took people by surprise. People were blown away that this was a quote-unquote robot. Yes, Disney would call it audio animatronics, but people saw it as a robot. And in the 1960s, that was an amazing thing. People would throw things toward the character on stage to see if it would it would catch its eye or something. Because many people thought it wasn't even an animatronic or robot. They thought it was a real person acting on stage. It was something that blew people away. As a consequence, um, after the fair came to an end, Walt Disney found a home in the Opera House on Main Street and brought great moments with Mr. Lincoln to that location. I remember as a young child, and I would say it was probably in the first or second year of operation, seeing this, uh, seeing this attraction, which I've seen many, many times over the, over the course of years at Disneyland, but uh, 
I remember that there were two components to the attraction. The first was a pre-show, followed by then a um, the actual moment where you where the curtain raised and you saw Mr. Lincoln. I separate those two out partly to say the attraction has always had this two aspects to it. It the highlight has always been raising the curtain and seeing the president or presidents. But it's always been preceded by some kind of historical prologue. The one for great moments of Mr. Lincoln was more or less the history of Abraham Lincoln himself. And in that time period, early time period, you actually weave through a very crazy set of, um, of rails into a theater where, as I recall, the early, early show was more of a slideshow type presentation than it was a video with still images in it. Um, but you actually stood during that presentation before you then went into the theater to actually see um, the presentation with Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. That was done largely to move more people through the attraction uh, because it was a widely uh, popular attraction in its early years. People wanted to see a human robotic figure. And no figure could have been more impressive than that of Abraham Lincoln. During these same years, Walt Disney envisioned something much grander and bigger, even before the New York World's Fair. He envisioned what was known as Liberty Street. And in the early maps of Disneyland, the idea was that you would go to a street adjacent to Disneyland's Main Street that would veer off to the right, and it would feature Again, a set of rooms which would ultimately lead you to a hall of presidents. But that attraction, that experience was never created. It along with something known as Edison Square, which eventually became Carousel Progress, were both kind of configured in this same right side space uh, at Disneyland uh, to, uh, from Main Street, but, it, but neither of them happened. However, what did happen is the Hall of Presidents opened as part of Liberty Square at the Magic Kingdom in 1971. This attraction, this land is unique in that the only square previous was New Orleans Square at um, Disneyland. But here we have done away with that square, so to speak, and created a new square referring to Liberty Square. Here, the principal attraction that gave the reason for, for creating Liberty Square was the Hall of Presidents. Yes, a more popular attraction was also added, known as the Haunted Mansion, but make no doubts about it. There would be no Liberty Square if there was no Hall of Presidents. This attraction paralleled the Disneyland attraction, only that it created a, a um, cinematic historical view that guests watched in the theater, sitting down in the theater with the use of five different screens. And at the end of the presentation, which was a Saturn V rocket taking off, the screens would come apart and then you would see the presidents all depicted there. And let me tell you, that is 
for all the problems that this has from a political point of view and from a diversity point of view, at that time, there were um, 32 presidents, I want to say, on that stage. Um, I'm sorry, 36 presidents that were gathered on that stage at that time. And it was an oppressive assembly. I have been on the stage at the Hall of Presidents. Surprisingly, the stage is a very narrow one, um, but it is a very elongated um, platform. And the presidents are all very distinguished in terms of an enormous amount of theming and detailing and treatment, not to mention the animatronic moves, which have been added increasingly. I really think that some of the first ones had presidents that did very little, if anything. But over the years, they've added more and more um, features to these animatronics, and they do come alive. And it is an impressive experience. I list, I show in my uh, Disney at Work page, the uh, an actual reconstructed view of the presentation. It apparently there is no film that at least that Disney has released that shows both the film and the actual um, presentation of the presidents but you can get a sense of it in the uh, video that I offer on that page. Now, that's how the Hall of Presidents started. Over the years, um, more presidents were added and that included, um, well, the last president at the time it opened was Richard Nixon. From there, they added Ford and then they added Carter and then they added, added the um, George Bush Sr. And then they added Bill Clinton. And what made Bill Clinton unique is it became the first U.S. president to actually lend a voice and to say something during the presentation as an animatronic. I also was unique because um, they redid the, the film at the beginning of the presentation and had it performed by Maya Angelou. Um, who was the poet laureate for the Clinton administration and, uh, and brought a, a more diverse um, presence to this. By the way, uh, if you want a piece of trivia, the original presentation for the Hall of Presidents had in the film portion, George Washington making comments um, before Congress um, um, at the creation of the Constitution and what's interesting is the voice for George Washington is the same voice as the ghost host at the Haunted Mansion. Paul Fries was a very diverse um, uh, voice actor. You would not know that they were the same voice. But George Washington's voice originally, not today, but originally was actually the same uh, voice as uh, was for... Um, as it was for uh, uh, the ghost host in the Haunted Mansion. Now, so Bill Clinton became the first U.S. president to lend his voice. Then George W. Bush and Barack Obama would also follow with their own voices and with different presentations that preceded the depiction of all of the presidents. In the case of uh, Barack Obama, Morgan Freeman uh, narrated that particular um particular film 
And so, and in fact, in the case of the one with Barack Obama, something also additional was added in which for the first time ever, President George Washington rose to speak and kind of gave nod to um, Bill, uh, to Barack Obama, who began his remarks by by giving the oath of office. That's a little humorous because um, historians note that Barack Obama actually stated the oath of office a little incorrectly when he was on the platform at the Capitol building. I think he had to redo it a little later or something. But anyway, he certainly redoes it in the Hall of Presidents. And I have a video of that, not only of not of the presentation itself, but of Disney's efforts to actually create what became uh, Barack Obama joining the Hall of Presidents. That said and done, uh, eight years went by with Obama in the Hall of Presidents. Let me just say, right off front, um, op operations, Disney's operations, while there may be CEOs that have certain political views, Disney plays a very even hand and frankly um, contributes politically to both parties, both in the local, state, and federal levels. Um, and so they try to play a very fair hand in, um, in, uh, in dealing with U.S. presidents, inviting them to um, the parks and so forth. However, from an operational point of view, there is nothing better than a second term president because that means we'll have to put money up to redo the Hall of Presidents. In fact, for all intents and purposes, this is recorded on Monday morning. Disney may make a choice, which may, um, which honestly with COVID may make sense. They may choose to close the Hall of Presidents. Um, immediately um, in the name of we're going to prepare for the next president to come in, um, which they are months from installing. Um, but they may do that simply because it, it it's, it's easier on their operational side given the COVID scenario. I don't think they will do that because it's really a low maintenance um, thing to have handle um, in terms of a staff to operate it. I mean, it takes far more staff to operate something like the Haunted Mansion than it does to operate the Hall of Presidents. So I don't think that'll happen before Inauguration Day. I think there'll still be time to see it, but I would guess by Inauguration Day um, that attraction will close. It did close with Trump and it went through an extensive rehab period. I say that because the president was elected in October, inaugurated in January. And as I recall, um, by the time I was able to get back in and I got back in on one of the first days, if not the first day, it was December 19th of 2017, uh, nearly an entire year from the time Trump was inaugurated before the Hall of Presidents reopened again. And so that's, at the time, that was a long time for an attraction that took in, remember, the Hall of Presidents has the largest theater in, it's larger than Mickey's Filler Magic, 
it is an enormous theater capable of handling a lot of crowds um, if they choose to see that attraction. And so, and Disney in an era where it has more guests than any other theme park in the world needs attractions like that to soak up the guests. Again, COVID speaking, not so much right now, but you see the idea. But with the changes that came when the Hall of Presidents reopened, there were a number of things happened. First of all, of course, President Trump was added, creating 44 audio animatronic figures. Now, Trump was number 45 in terms of president, but Grover Cleveland actually served two non-consecutive terms, and that made Trump 45 as the 44th. So Trump is actually the 44th person to serve as a U.S. president, but his, um, but he became the 45th president in terms of that definition. So he was added to the Hall of Presidents. That's the biggest thing. Also, the film was completely revised with a new look and a, and a presentation that emphasized... Um, how the country chooses its leader, that really ultimately at the end of the day, we choose who serves and puts a lot of emphasis on um, how the people chose and how, uh, particularly in case of uh, George Washington, he stepped down um, at the end. He chose to step down at the end of a second term rather than remain in power, which indicates that we do not choose kings to be over us. We choose individuals elected. The idea of a president as opposed to a king or a ruler or a magistrate. That is the theme of the film. Um, additionally, because people, because the company saw that Trump's addition to the Hall of Presidents would be, um, would potentially have political implications, they made a couple of other changes besides the film and the addition of President Trump. First off, they made ties to Walt Disney in both the foyer and in the film's preamble. They basically said in so many words, look, if you like Walt Disney, then you need to respect this presentation because this presentation was important to Walt Disney. And this was his way to celebrate America by honoring the commanders in chief who had led the country over the years. And so they make that very clear. They have a picture of Walt Disney along with a statue of Lincoln. They have a plaque, not a plaque, but another photo of Walt Disney, him acting out as Abraham Lincoln when he was a child, him receiving uh, the Presidential Medal of Freedom uh, from uh, Lyndon B. Johnson. So they show things that indicate um, Walt Disney's love for for the office of the presidency. Um, actually, I shouldn't say that. Um, he does not get the Presidential Medal of Freedom. He actually receives the Freedoms Foundation Award from Dwight D. Eisenhower is what he gets. And then he's also shown with Richard Nixon at the monorail. So those are the images, three images that they show in that particular thing. Um, when the cast member 
greets guests in the theater, they always emphasize that presentation as needing to be reverent. I have never heard in theme park history the idea that a presentation would be reverent. I've never heard the word reverent outside of church. And, but that is actually in the spill that the cast member delivers when the presentation begins. Um, additionally, a scalloped, a finial type border was added along the edge of the stage to separate further the audience um, from the um, from the presidents themselves to to in a in a very uh, low key manner discourage people from trying to jump on the stage and make a statement of some sort. Um, President Trump's own presentation, he does give like Obama the oath of office. And then he gives a sh short and nonpartisan speech about um, the American people, actually, not really about the office of the president, but the privilege of serving the American people. That speech could have been given and written to any U.S. president. It is very nonpartisan in its terms. Um, the ending was a big change for the Hall of Presidents. Traditionally, uh, the Battle Hymn of the Republic has played through the Hall of Presidents and uh, through great moments of Mr. Lincoln for almost its entire tenure. There was a short period where it was changed to, I believe, America the Beautiful. But by and large, it has always played um, that uh, Battle Hymn of the Republic with the rotunda of the Capitol building in the backgrounds and stars that turn into clouds that turn into kind of a natural looking American flag in the background. All of that was taken out for this version with Trump. Less patriotic looking symbols were put there. They added digital imagery in the background of the fruited plains and, and, the, and the seas and, and America, you know, the, the beauty of America, the natural America forests and so forth. And they played a beautiful um, uh, orchestral piece that accompanies the entire film and the entire presentation. Uh, so all of that, so you can kind of have this patriotic finale, go Trump, go kind of thing. All of that was, was reduced at the end of the presentation. And then finally, security cast members were added um, and made present for each of the presentation. So very different, very, uh, uh, very little touches, many little touches were added to the Hall of Presidents when Donald Trump was added, not even significantly seen by most casual visitors to that presentation. Um, and in, by the way, since then, um, one or two park goers, especially after the Hall of Prisons reopened, you know, got social media pre uh, attention by, by videotaping themselves, protesting the attraction. But by and large, I have been there probably about 25 times since December of 2017. Uh, I'd say two and a half dozen times. And I've really seen a very um, respectful 
audience. Um, applauding at the end, but not really showing any partisanship in one way or the other. Um, and, and even though there was an online petition originally that Donald Trump should not be added to the Hall of Presidents, I think there are about 15,000 people who signed that petition um, right after he was elected. In truth, um, more people visit that attraction every week than ever signed that online petition. I feature in, again, disneyatplay.com in uh, our post, the video of the entire attraction. And I highly recommend you do that. You see that attraction. If you don't have a chance to see it before, it closes here. I say that because I think that whether or not, even if you don't want to see the portion with Donald Trump at the end, you have to appreciate the messages of the video, which um, honors our unique approach to having someone be um, commander-in-chief and president of the United States and how that differs from kings and tyrants um, from, from other countries. So I, I just highly recommend that you refer to that. So anyway, that is played up until now. What happens today, I don't know. Um, but we do know that they need to move forward now that um, Joe Biden has been uh, elected to become president. There are many critics who have very differing opinions as to what should become, what should become of the Hall of Presidents. Uh, there are important, um, real important problematic challenges uh, with the concept of the show. First, um, as impressive as a presentation of, um, of all 44 and soon to be 45 audio animatronic figures, it really lacks diversity. There is not a woman among this, and there is only one non-Caucasian. It really lacks diversity. Second, many of these people, frankly, are controversial figures. Many of them were slaveholders. Um, many of them dishonored my own faith that I was brought up with and disrespected it and did not stand by it. And, and, and some have done things that have been terribly crooked and, and wrong. And so it, it's understandable that looking at this, um, it's, it's kinda, it's kinda hard to justify this presentation. Um, additionally, the facility takes up a lot of space. It's a big show building that could be used for other purposes. Now, there are some who have suggested, let's bring in talent like Lin-Manuel Miranda to do something more contemporary with the show. Well, no question, you brought in Lin-Manuel, it would be creative. I don't know that uh, after his signature piece of Hamilton, he really wants to go on to do another patriotic piece. Um, Hamilton is unique. It's phenomenal. It stands alone. I would say if something should be done in a creative manner, it ultimately needs to stand on its own merits. But it also still needs to fill the vision intended by Walt Disney himself. 
So I'm going to offer two possibilities for how I think should this should be approached. Um, and the first considers the fact that there is way too much downtime between adding another US president. I understand you have to do the research, you have to get buy-in, you have to sculpt a figure, you have to make a mechanical armature, you have to program that, you have to add whatever other elements of video. I have no end of understanding of what it takes to do this. But if it takes just simply closing it down for this period, for an entire year, that and you replace a president every four years, that's that's downtime a 25%. So I'm going to suggest something else. Two approaches, one that takes us back to our original roots, one that might be more progressive. But both approaches allow us to do, one, do, do a change and not have to pull down the operation for an entire year to do a subsequent change. The first of this would be a return to Lincoln. Now, if you have been to the Hall of Presidents in recent years, you know that Abraham Lincoln stands up and delivers the Gettysburg Address in the middle of the film. He does it, it's beautiful, well done, very similar to what is at the, um, has been um, at, uh, for many years on and off at, at great moments with Mr. Lincoln. That is, but, but originally the film did not end with Nixon or Ford or Carter giving remarks. It ended with Abraham Lincoln giving a speech. And I think that maybe that makes sense, is to return to Abraham Lincoln and have him give the closing remarks. <clears throat> when you do that, you allow the current presentation to really stand, to continue on. You could do some presentation in the lobby saying, we welcome soon the next president-elect and show progress on sculpting or configuring the figure. But then when you go to put in the figure, you can pull it down for a week or two, put it in, program it, get it going back up and not be down for so long a period. And that way, as new presidents were added, the theater would only go down for a week or two, not for a year plus. So that's my first thought, is to let's go back to Abraham Lincoln. I'll come back to his speech in a few minutes, but that would be a more traditional approach. Walt Disney loved Abraham Lincoln among all of the presidents. He certainly, uh, it certainly shows in his original work of great moments with Mr. Lincoln. So one step is to just simply go back to Lincoln making the big speech. Second, and by the way, the only downside of that is I'd still like to see George Washington say something. I like having George Washington also speak. They use the same voice as, and I apologize, I don't have the actor's name, but if you have seen John Adams, the, the, the film series that um, I believe was on HBO. Um, he is the voice actor for George Washington. He is the actor who plays George Washington in that um, uh, film, that movie series on John Adams and voices George Washington in the Hall of Presidents. He's really great. I'd like to keep that, which kind of brings me to the second idea 
of how to, and I think this is a completely creative twist. This, I propose, is to give the presidents the time we are on stage. I, again, I like the idea of introducing, you know, George Washington, you know, John Adams, you know, uh, Thomas Jefferson, and go down the list. I like that introduction because it educates Americans to who the presidents are. And there is really no other vehicle by which people are educated um, to that. I... We'll talk a little bit about the album, The Hall of Presidents, but I listened to that numerous times and I learned to memorize the order of the presidents based on that, listening to that album again and again. I think it's a concern when people, you say, who was Zachary Taylor? Or who was James Buchanan? Or who was Chester A. Arthur? And people don't even know that they were a former U.S. president. I think that's a concern and a flag. So, this suggestion would be to give more stage time to the moment rather than focus on a large film, which could still be a portion of it. But rather than do that, what would it be like if we were to take the U.S. presidents and allow them on stage to share their opinions on some important key topics? What would it sound like if Franklin Roosevelt were to respond to a statement John Adams made while then disagreeing with Ronald Reagan. Now, he wouldn't say, I disagree with you, Ronnie. He would, be, he would simply be implying some statement that, that he had made in a speech and tying it to the words made in a speech by another U.S. president. That would take some creativity and a lot of presidential historians to kind of create. But imagine if you could truly make all of these individuals come alive and they really kind of debated the issues in front of you using their own words. Imagine what it'd be like if Lincoln and Andrew Jackson discussed comparisons and contrasts between the Civil War with null and void tariff laws. If you don't know what null and void tariff laws is, that's because you didn't listen to the original presence, which not only talked about null and void tariff laws, but talked in detail about the Whiskey Rebellion that came to uh, George Washington during his tenure. So these kinds of events would add a lot of historical perspective. You'd have to tie in some narrator, or maybe you give creative license to George Washington, kind of saying, okay, um, Yes, um, uh, President Grant, what do you have to offer? Or President Madison, uh, what do you have? So maybe there would be some of that, but I think that using words originally stated by them, but directed toward others, not of their generation, would make for a fascinating presentation. And while this would take time to build and create, what I will say about it is it could be permanent. Then you add another president, and maybe that president might make some additional comment in all of this, but maybe not. Maybe that president just um, just becomes uh, um, somebody who sits there and listens and benefits from the words of everyone else. And by the way, wouldn't it be interesting to go back to um, Barack Obama and um, President Bush and... Um, George W. Bush, and, and get their, uh, get original words and comments 
that they themselves would deliver in the Hall of Presidents. So at any rate, if you want original, creative, completely off the wall approach, that's what I might do to the U.S. Hall of Presidents. And that too would lower the amount of operational turnaround if you kept if you kept the same basic presentation and just simply added another figure when it came time to add. You wouldn't have to necessarily um, go in and find a time to tape them while they're in office and so forth. So anyway, that's my take on it. This is what I do believe. And this I summarize as saying, I align with Walt Disney's original intent, which was to honor America by honoring the office of the U.S. presidency. As a youth, I spent my lawn money on a record LP album of the Hall of Presidents. Actually, the original became worn and for some, other, for some reason or another, I ended up having to buy a second version while I was still uh, young. I, and I, had not, I would not even see the Hall of Presidents until 1988. But in the 1970s, as a young man, I had the album and I learned the order of the presidents as they were announced. And I became an admirer of the speech Abraham Lincoln paid in the original version. In the current version, he shares the Gettysburg Address, but in the original version, he gave remarks comparable to what you hear in Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. This is actually a compilation of several speeches that um, I'll give you the link on Disney on the Disney at page post and where each of these speeches came from. Um, when Lincoln spoke uh, of threats to America in his speech, critics um, in later years saw Disney as kind of creating a commentary against communism and socialism, which were relevant and big topic themes of the 1960s and even into the 1970s as the Hall of Presidents opened. But I have studied and listened to this compiled address again and again and again on this album. It is not about communism or socialism or any foreign state. It is about the enemy we author ourselves. Now, with respects to Royal Dano, who, who was the original voice of Abraham Lincoln and provided this dialogue, I would like to read this speech. The roll of honor has been completed, and now President Abraham Lincoln slowly rises, gazes over the audience, and begins to speak. Quote, this government must be preserved in spite of the acts of any man or set of men. Nowhere in the world is presented a government of so much liberty and equality. To the humblest and poorest among us are held the highest privileges and positions. What constitutes the bulwark of our liberty and independence? It is not the frowning battlements or bristling seacoast, our army and navy. These are not our reliance against tyranny. Our reliance is in the love of liberty, which God has planted in us. Our defense is in the spirit which prizes liberty as the heritage of all men in all lands everywhere. Destroy the spirit and you have planted the seeds of despotism at your own doors.
At what point shall we expect the approach of danger? By what means shall we fortify against it? Shall we expect some transatlantic giant to step the ocean and crush us at a blow? Never. All the armies of Europe, Asia, and Africa combined could not by force take a drink from the Ohio or make a track on the Blue Ridge. At what point then is the approach of danger to be expected? I answer, if it ever reach us, it must spring up among us. It cannot come from abroad. If destruction be our lot, we ourselves must be its author and its finisher. As a nation of free men, we must live through all time or die by suicide. Surely God would not have created such a being as man with ability to grasp the infinite, to exist only for a day. No, no, man was made for immortality. I think these remarks are timely, especially for today. I would recommend that if you liked this presentation, that you head over to our other presentation. The link will be made available and that podcast will be available. It is called Your American Adventure, Part 1. I have not yet created Your American Adventure, Part 2, but I have created the first part. The American Adventure is to the Hall of Presidents like the Hall of Presidents is to Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. The American Adventure at Epcot is many things. As one of 11 World Showcase pavilions, it offers a gallery, entertainment, retail, and food and beverage options. But uniquely, the name of the pavilion is also the name of its primary attraction, which is a condensed theatrical show portraying the history of the United States. It sits in a grand theater that is seldom full. There are perhaps many reasons for this, but I believe if one truly understood the messages of this show, one would not only attend, but find context and solutions for today's complex world, and importantly, hope for the future. And isn't that what Walt Disney wanted, was to offer hope? I offer part one to this attraction and recommend that you Please check it out. Listen to it. It is an answer to so many of the challenges we face today. Well, this is it for today's Disney at Play podcast. We thank you for joining us. We hope that we are offering something unique, of value, something that transcends just beyond our love of theme parks, but something that can be taken into our own lives, be internalized, and give us hope. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you being part 
of this podcast audience. And we invite you to invite others to join us. This is Jeff Kober, and in the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.